Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles in 2020. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Welcome, New Abbey, to our Christmas Eve gathering. Uh, things are a little bit different uh, this year than they've been other years, obviously. I know 2020 has been a doozy for so many of us, but I'm grateful that we get this opportunity to remember who God is and to remember what God has for us as human beings. We're not gonna have normal conversation time as we usually do at New Abbey, but we still wanna create space for you to reflect, for you to join in and for you to participate and to think about where you're at in this moment as you prepare for the arrival of Christ in your life, as you prepare for the arrival of something new to be birthed. So this question for you to start with, wherever you are and whoever you are, maybe this is just a moment to sit back in your living room, or maybe to sit quietly with your family around you and think about this. What would it look like to find peace this Christmas? What would it look like to find peace this Christmas? Twenty is one of those years where we're all searching for peace. And maybe more than ever, what the beauty of the Christmas story offers us is that we don't just search for peace, but that peace always finds us. That we long for completeness, for wholeness, for harmony, for fulfillment. We long for things to work themselves out in a year like 2020, we've all been waiting. It was one of those moments where the entire year was on pause. But if we're going to eventually find peace, then we gotta talk about some things. If we're gonna find peace, then first we need to search for it. And if we can search for peace, then we gotta look to our friends at Google. And if our friends at Google can offer us some things, then maybe we can talk about how peace finds us. And if we can think about how peace 
finds us, then we need to talk about the difference between experience and the concepts of peace in our lives. And then if we can do that, then we have to be participants and we create peace in our own lives. And as we think about creating peace, then we'll look to the Dalai Lama and the Dalai Lama will of course lead us to Saladin, which everybody was thinking we were gonna talk about on a Christmas Eve. And if we can talk about Saladin, then we can find peace ourselves and we can go high, as Michelle Obama loves to teach us. And so, my friends, there are moments in every generation where people pause and reflect about the nature of life, where we ask bigger questions. And in those moments, they're generally chaotic, and what people long and look for out of them is an opportunity for peace. It was the stock market crash in the 1920s, for a generation, it was remembering Pearl Harbor. Maybe it was the assassination of JFK or Martin Luther King Jr. There was moments where the world paused to see the Berlin Wall fall. There was memories of when Princess Diana died. We all knew the moment where we were and where we were standing on 9-11, unless you are a millennial or a Gen Z, you weren't even born yet, I guess. But for the rest of us, there are these moments that we remember where everything changed. In most recent memory, it was the global financial crisis. And then there's a year like 2020. And in 2020, it wasn't just one moment in which we all paused for a day or a few, for a few weeks. It was 2020 where in February, we knew that there was a virus out there. We knew that change was coming. And then somewhere around the beginning of March, as everything began to shut down, many of us began to have these thoughts of, oh, maybe I won't have to go into the office for a few weeks, or we even heard things from people, don't worry, by Easter we'll be open. And now it's the end of the year. And it wasn't just a moment and a little moment for reflection and pause. It was an entire year where the world had to stop, where the entire world was asking deeper questions and those questions that we are asking have been the same questions that human beings have always asked. It's questions about peace. It's questions about searching. It's questions about figuring it out. And thankfully, our brothers and sisters at Google have provided us some opportunity for that. The most human trait is to want to know why. And in a year that tested everyone around the world, why was searched more than ever. The spread of the coronavirus has passed a significant milestone. And while we didn't find all the answers, we kept asking. Some questions inspired joy. Others, excitement. Life in the bubble. Yes. 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 I don't know what an improper fraction is. Teachers should make a billion dollars. We found politics, y'all. Oh my God. Put it on there and start it up for me. What are y'all doing? It's still March. How many days in March? Some questions made us cry. You know, we've been through our ups and been through our downs. I think the most important part is that we all stay together throughout. I love you guys. Some made us worry about this spinning rock we call home. Fires were detected in the Amazon rainforest. Why were so many lives lost? Almost 1.5 million people have now died of COVID-19 worldwide. 
Why are we still asking the same questions? George Floyd repeatedly told the officers that he could not breathe. So why do we still have strength to continue? from thousands of protesters in cities around the world. Why are we not defeated? We have made too much progress, and we are not going back. We are going forward. Planes are starting to arrive in Beirut, full of international aid. Firefighters from around the world arriving in California. There are over 100 coronavirus vaccines in development worldwide. This is one of those times when people look out for one another and have each other's backs. We kept going for those who showed us the way. Think about how you would like the world to be for your daughters and granddaughters. Remember, the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. Press on with pride and press on with purpose. Why is it that this year showed its worst and we still found ways to triumph? An incredible feat for Maya Gaviera. Naomi Osaka, US Open Championship. Can't let Corona stop you. Can't let quarantine stop you. So until we get to every answer, we're still searching. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom means wholeness, that all of creation is working together to do its part. It has an idea of completeness. How many of us in 2020 were searching for completeness in our lives? It's this idea of fulfillment or success. It has this deeper, richer meaning of harmony. How many of us are those different moments that we just watched, waited and sat on a couch or had an existential conversation with ourselves or with somebody else over Zoom where we are asking these deeper questions about when will harmony return? When will fulfillment return? When can somehow we go back to our lives what they used to look like? How can we return to some type of normal? That searching is something that we do as human beings, and we're always searching for the world to get better. Maybe this year, more than any other year, the Christmas story is more powerful because the Christmas story provides us peace in this moment. The Christmas story is not a story about a concept. For a community like New Abbey, which is a community filled with people who are deconstructing, asking deeper questions, rejecting even potentially the faith tradition that you grew up in or the way that mom and dad told you it back there or the youth pastor told you that you have to believe. 2020 tested all of your deconstruction, all of the fancy things that you were asking about the Bible, all of the wonders and doubts that you may have. In a year like 2020, human beings, as we search for peace, we just want to plead with God. We want something that we can experience. A concept can't hold us in 2020. An ideal of deconstruction can't hold us through the chaos of 2020. We long for something that we can taste and smell and experience and feel. We want a story of God coming into the world where when we can't do the searching, when we have nothing else to give, when all of the questions that we ask can't be fulfilled, we need God to show up in the middle of the darkness, 
in the middle of the chaos at 2 a.m. when nobody else is there and we need to be held by something. That's the Christmas story. It invites us to be held, to hold, to be connected to this God and to this idea that peace, that goodness, that light can be birthed into the universe at any time. That in the most God-forsaken places is most often when God shows up. It's there when we have no hope left is interestingly enough the places that we often find the most peace, that we find a different kind of completeness, different kind of fulfillment, different kind of wholeness in our lives. The Christmas story goes like this from Luke. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all people with whom God is pleased. The power of the Christmas story is that it's a story where peace finds us in the middle of chaos. In this story, the chosen people of God, the Jews, had dealt with century after century after century of oppression at the hands of the ancient superpowers. They were now being subjected to the oppression of the Roman Empire, but before them, the Greeks, and before them, the Persians, and before them, the Babylonians, and before them, the Assyrians, and before them, the Egyptians, that century after century and generation after generation, there was a faithful group of people who were longing for God to show up again. And God did show up. God showed up in the middle of the chaos when no one was expecting it. God showed up to a ruler like King Herod in the proclamation that a Messiah was coming, ordered the killings of all of the baby boys in that community. That it was one of those moments of chaos in history through the brutal oppression of the Roman Empire, through the local oppression of King Herod, that no vaccine was going to cure this oppression. No vaccine was going to end the pause of uncomfortability that the Jews were going through. They longed and they waited and they anticipated that God was going to come and free them from these pains. 
And the interesting thing about the Christmas story is that God did come, that peace does find us, and that even though peace finds us in the most unlikely places, even though peace shows up in the most God-forsaken places, that sometimes our external circumstances don't change at all. That peace comes to us quietly. Peace is something that we find in the deep places of our own lives. And there we begin to see the world complete, whole, fulfilled, that there's harmony in a new way. That what the Christmas story births in us is that peace starts quietly within, even when the external world seems completely out of our control. That the final few verses in that passage that we read in Luke are powerful. Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth. Peace to all people, to all people. Completeness, harmony, wholeness, fulfillment, success to all people. Whether you're the lowest of the low, whether the government checks can no longer support you and you have economic insecurity, whether this year has been brutal for how you've understood yourself, whether you've been isolated this entire time, there is peace for you. Whether you're the oppressor, whether you are the one who is hurting other, peace to you as well. That the Christmas story is birthing peace for everybody to whom God is pleased. And the saying there is not that we need to please God to receive that peace. It's saying that there is already peace to all people, that God is already pleased with each and every one of us, that we are already children of the divine, that we are already beloved by God, that we are already enjoyed by God. And sometimes we need this reminder of God birthing something new in us to remind us of the good news that has always been true. And we're reminded that what God came to do through the Christmas story is that God came to remind us of that beauty, that even in the chaos of this world, peace can always be birthed from within. Passing through, have found their king. Ooh, 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 
It was August 19th, 2013, and it was the birth of my son, Caden. And I remember being in the hospital room. I remember looking down at Carissa, and she had a mask on her face, and she was breathing in. <laughs> and her mask was fogging up, and her legs were pushed completely against her, and I could just see sweat beating down from her face. And for years we had joked because Carissa is not strong physically. There were times where she like literally couldn't lift a bag of potatoes. 
And now in this moment, I just began to cry, to weep. And I remember her looking up at me and she says, are you okay? And I says, I'm just so incredibly proud of you about how strong that you are. And I remember in that moment that peace found me, that she gave me so much peace in this chaotic moment of something that I had never experienced before. And then a few minutes later, I remember Caden being born and holding for the very first time my child. I remember for the next few weeks as peace found me that the whole world was complete, that the whole world was whole, that the whole world was experiencing harmony and fulfillment. And then I went back to my regular life because peace may find us in the chaos of our lives, but eventually we have to create peace ourselves. That for the nine months prior to Caden's birth, I was in one of the deepest depressions of my life. I had just started New Abbey. I left the church of thousands and the comfortable job as a teaching pastor because I had this crazy idea of starting something in my living room because I believed that there was a better news about Jesus out there. I believed that we could tell about good news in a way with authenticity and vulnerability that I wasn't currently experiencing it. And I left that other thing to start New Abbey and I was depressed because there was 15 people in my living room. And that whole year, I didn't even know who I was or where I was. But then for just a moment, my son was born in this world and peace found me. But wherever you go, there you are. And eventually the chaos of my life returned. And what the Christmas story shows us is that it shows us the life of Jesus, that peace can be birthed into any moment, but eventually we need to create peace ourselves. That just like Jesus, Peace is birth, but eventually it needs to grow into something much bigger. That the life of Jesus teaches us peace in new ways. That wherever Jesus went, he offered peace to others. Wherever Jesus went, he left people feeling more complete, more whole, experiencing more fulfillment and more harmony. He always left it better than he found it. And what Jesus invites all of us into is to follow him that what Jesus invites us into is that we would become agents of peace. That just as peace is birthed into the world, as we experience that peace, as it finds us in the chaos and the complexity of our lives, as it grows, would we create and offer peace to those around us? And I believe that all of us, as we follow Jesus, have the ability to offer peace to all people. What generally prevents us from offering peace to all people is that we are warring within ourselves. The opposite of peace, the opposite of wholeness, the opposite of feeling complete is war. It's disruption. It's violence. It's justification. It's the thing that's battling against the shalom of this world. All kinds of things produce war within us depressions and anxieties and external circumstances, worry. The Dalai Lama talks about worry in this way. Somebody who dealt with the chaos of life more than most other human beings, he says this, worrying, I understand. But when you worry, if you can change it, well then go do it. If you can change something about the thing that you're worrying about, then by all means, go be an agent of change for the worry that you're dealing with. You shouldn't have to keep worrying about that thing. And then he says this, and if you're worrying about it and you can't do anything about it, well, then stop worrying. You can't do anything about it. His whole point is, if you can be an agent of peace, 
If you can be somebody who can go create a difference, well then go do something about it. And if you can't, don't allow that thing to continue to disrupt the shalom in your life. That what prevents most of us from having peace with other human beings, with being at war with other human beings, is that we no longer see them as people. No one who is watching this live stream right now can go to war with another person. I promise you that. Nobody can take another person to war. Here's why. Because when you actually see somebody as a human being, when you actually see them as a person who has needs and wants and desires and hopes, a desire for peace and fulfillment and wholeness and completeness in their life, you can never go to war with them because you know that they want the exact same things that you want. However, Every person that's watching this live stream can go to war when we see another human being as an object. There, we begin to dehumanize them. We begin to justify. We begin to create narratives and other, other people. We all have those people in our mind, whether it's an individual that they did something. The language is always giving away of where we're actually at. Or it's an entire system or group of people, they or that group or the. Anytime you have to start talking about any other group and you start with the, the, fill in the blank, probably means that you're objectifying them in some way, shape, or form. And when we do that, then we no longer see them as people. And when we do that, we are no longer able to offer peace in this world. Even at times, and this is very true of my progressive brothers and sisters who are listening right now, we may know that we are right about something. We may even feel that we're more evolved about something, that we are justified about the things that we are saying. And it might very well be true, but we are warring in our hearts towards the people that we're talking to. Even though you might be right in what you are saying, when you are warring in your heart and you see somebody as an object, I promise you the conversation never goes over well. Many of us have been at that Thanksgiving table where we knew we were so right, Aunt Judy, and it didn't matter because I saw this person as an object. In this current political season, we knew we were so right potentially about a candidate, but how many of those social media conversations that you had went really well? Probably not most of them. Because you were warring in your heart with another person and because they were a different thing than you, a deer, an R, wherever you find yourself, you begin to objectify them and dehumanize them. And what the gift of Christmas teaches us is that peace can be birthed within us, but eventually we must go create peace in this world ourselves. That we must follow the path of Jesus and that we must see other human beings as people. That Peace was birthed through Jesus, and then what Jesus shows us through his entire life is that he constantly looked at all people as human beings, and that we may search for peace in a year like 2020, and peace will always find us, particularly in the most God-forsaken times and God-forsaken places. When peace finds us in the places that we never imagined it could, would we be agents of change and would we go create peace in this world? And then I believe this, that what we create, we will find. That what we are looking for, we will constantly see. What we reap, we will sow. 
if we, if we offer peace into this world, we will reap peace in this world. We will find more peace from other people. There's a story about Saladin. I know you were waiting for me to get there. That goes like this. That in the year 1099, Pope Urban II decreed the Crusades that the emperor of Constantinople had asked for the Roman Empire, for the, for the Roman church to send knights their way because Muslim armies had been taking over the Middle East. And Pope Urban II sent knights into the Middle East, not only to protect Constantinople, but eventually to take over Jerusalem. A Christian army, believing that they were right, that they were justified, that they had a message from Jesus, went into the Middle East and they conquered Jerusalem as they would have described it, they liberated Jerusalem from the pagans. And in doing so, they killed, murdered, slaughtered, and raped every village along the way. And when they got to Jerusalem, they killed every last Muslim, believing that was what they were doing that was right and justified by God. In the year 1187, 88 years after Christians liberated Jerusalem, Saladin was an armor of the Muslim armies and attacked Jerusalem and freed it from the Christians. And this time, Saladin, when he freed Jerusalem from the Christians, he ordered that once the city was taken, that they kill no more Christians. And he sent the Christians on their way with goods to make sure that they could get to their next destination safely. Even more than that, he decreed that this is a holy place where Jews, Christians, and Muslims alike come to worship and praise their God. And this will be a place where no matter your faith, you will always come in and out freely, that you will always find peace here. That he said, even though we may disagree outwardly, that we can always see one another as human beings. So much so that in that moment, in the year 1187, Saladin gave the keys of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre to a Muslim family. And he decreed that every day that Muslim family would open and close the Church of the Holy Sepulchre so that Christians would always be safe to go worship at the site of the death and burial of Jesus, their God. To this day, in 2020, Generation after generation after generation of that same family, 800 years later, a Muslim family still has the same key and opens that church. Because the story is this, that peace sometimes finds us in the most unlikely ways. And when peace finds us, every single human being has the opportunity to create more peace in this world, to create more opportunity to see other human beings as actual people. We all have that capability. It's one thing for peace to find you. It's another thing for you to offer peace in this world. That is maturity. Even my three-year-old little girl is learning this process. My home knows something about war. I have three children under seven, and we have to share, people. It's chaos. Just the other day, our home was chaos for a good eight hours. All of the tools that we have at our disposal to bring peace into our home was not working, and we were praying to the Lord Jesus for rescue. And my middle son, Bryce, was losing his mind and trying to take his blanket from his sister, and somebody had touched his Indominus Rex, and the Tyrannosaurus Rex was missing, and there was war in our home, and everybody was objects, and there was no peace to be found at the end. And my three-year-old, the youngest of the three, came and offered her blankie to her little brother. And he calmed down in that moment as peace found him. And she looked straight in the eyes of me and Chris and says, I go high. <laughs> they go low, I go high. 
Because Chris had been talking about this phrase from Michelle Obama just a few weeks before, and I'm like, man, they didn't get that one. Apparently they did. And in that moment, my little girl offered something that she experienced the peace that she finds in her life and she was able to offer it in another way. She, in that moment, was able to make that shift from seeing another human being as an object to seeing another human being as an actual person. And my hope for all of us this Christmas is simply that, that God came into the world to offer peace to all people because God was pleased with all of us. That's crazy. That God, despite whoever we are and wherever we are, said, you're a human being and you deserve peace. And I see you for who you are and what you are. And then as that is birthed in us, I believe that God is asking each and every one of us, would you offer the same peace to the world? And so my question for you, New Abbey, this Christmas Eve, is who will you offer peace to this Christmas? Who is that person that you thought I could never, ever see them as a human being? Maybe you'll never even have a conversation with them. But maybe the gift of Christmas this year is that you will be transformed, that you will be healed, that you will find new life, that you will find peace, because you will see them as a human being. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.